Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Awesome Village. I'm Greg and joining me is... Glenn. And Ryan. John is out tonight with his sick daughter, so we wish him the best. We'll see him next week. I don't. Get, I don't wish. Better, I don't. Yeah, I don't wish him the best. I wish Clara the best. Yeah, oh. get better. He's Clara. all right. He's fine. It's it's. Well, I, I wish you the best, John. I miss you. And that, uh, that, that wonderful face. He has a wonderful face. I, I love, love you, man. <laughs> but last week he got so excited about jumping Jack Flash. He did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> I, I I reminded him this weekend when we were going to the Jim Jeffries con- uh, comedy show. We're driving downtown, and I was thinking about. They were talking about different restaurants, and I was. I said, "Oh, John, I was about to ask if if you guys had been to Merrill, but then I remembered." And he goes, "Yeah." <laughs> so, how was the show? Uh, it was really good. Now, um, full disclosure: we we beforehand went to Mister Ed's Oyster Bar and Seafood House. Was it a was, bistro? Um, just... it was not. No, but oh, okay. uh, it was my first time going to it, and uh, John drove, so I had two hurricanes pretty quickly. Oh. at the restaurant. Um, so you were good fucked food. up, and then Heather brought me bought me a Long Island iced tea. Oh actually, Jesus Christ! So I was nice and tipsy. You I got s- home. tipsy, my ass. You were sloshed. <laughs> um, but there was two opening acts. One guy was this Canadian com- uh, comic who was kind of like a stoner, and he was making jokes about that. And he was funny. But the second guy was they're both writers on the Jim Jeffrey show. Um, the second guy was a little bit fun, was more funny than him. And then Jim came out, and it was a it was kind of an interesting show because it wasn't his normal. Uh, some of his more risque material was kind, right. of, kind of more uh, even keeled, I think. But there was a lot of heartfelt moments. His, his mom passed away recently, and I didn't realize oh. that. But he was he talked a little bit about her. His dad was in the audience, and <clears throat> so it was a lot of funny stuff. But uh, last time we went to see him, uh, there was a very upset girl in the audience that did not like his sense of humor and left the show. This did not happen this time. Um, but yeah, we had a good time. We all. How laughed. did you know that she was upset? Because the guy that she was with, she got up and stormed off. And Jim sat down and was like, "Oh, what's going on there?" And she and uh, he was like, "Have you uh, have you been dating along? Oh, a month." He goes, "I don't think you're dating anymore, man." And then she came back in. He's like, "How you doing there, honey? We weren't talking about you." Wow, <laughs> I've never seen any of his stuff. I know you guys rave about him, but uh, I, I think he's probably not everybody's cup of tea. But I think he, you'd like him. There's no reason I haven't seen any of his stuff. I just no. I mean, it's it's uh, he's. Sort of matter of fact, and one of the there was a lot of uh, jokes he would tell. It kind of reminds me of Ricky Gervais in the sense that like people don't get that he's putting a character on. Right. The joke is that he's not really that way. <clears throat> Same thing with Jim. Like he makes some some you know he talks very openly about using drugs and and whatnot. He talks uh, he makes some misogynist jokes and some some different things like that. One of the things that John said he loves, and I agree with him. Whenever he's done material that has appeared on air, like on a special, he retires and he doesn't do it anymore. So whenever you go to one of the shows, you're getting all new material. Oh, cool! <clears throat> but yeah, it was it was a good time. I can't wait to go see him again, and uh, maybe not drink as much. <laughs> you remember it all? Oh yeah, I do. Um, it was very funny too because when when we got home, uh, I was being mothered, which was kind of kind of nice, and uh, wound up uh, you know getting to sleep very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> we actually had. Uh, Pretty big tragedy that I'm sure all you guys know about. Uh, and I, actually, it's kind of interesting. We are just talking about how when the news came across, we didn't quite believe yeah, it. Yeah, we usually wait till the end of the episode to do this, but let's just... I don't even... Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I don't even want to do this podcast this, today. I mean, it's, it's... Yeah, Ryan made some comfort food, egg rolls and nachos. <laughs> I mean, it, it was pretty bad. Like, I happened to be home on uh, Sunday, and 
it, it just by a chance, I just happened to go on Facebook and I saw an article from Us Weekly that was on Facebook and it was one minute old. And the only confirmation was from TMZ that Kobe Bryant had died in a helicopter crash. And I was like, well, if it's TMZ, it could not be real. So I immediately started searching and I couldn't find anything at first. So I was a kind of hopeful. But then I found it. I believe it was on Fox News was the first news channel to actually have it. And uh, it's got to be one of the most horrific stories that I can remember in recent times. Um, just that the, this dude, 41 years old, with his 13-year-old daughter and members of her team and their parents. And, I mean, it's just like... It's unreal. I, the, the closest thing I could compare it to as far as like shock and, and tragedy is like, and I wasn't obviously alive then, but with the Richie Valance, Buddy Holly Buddy thing, Holly yeah. Fun, yeah. where it's like just young <laughs> lives just completely cut short. I mean, and I mean, as a parent, imagining what Kobe was, I mean, yeah. you hope that maybe it happened so fast that nobody really realized what was happening. But I mean, just the thought of being on that helicopter and knowing you can't protect your child i mean that's just an unbearable pain it, it's it's unreal and he meant so much to so many people i mean he even though he was from philadelphia i mean he was the city of los angeles for a better part of 20 years he played for the lakers yeah. so i mean he's a freaking oscar winner as, yeah. as what, last year he was i mean and as coincidence would have it what like a couple days ago lebron james passed him on the all-time scoring list and you know, they were giving each other praise on social media and everything. I mean, it's just, it's unreal. I mean, he was just entering into another stage of his life where, uh, you know, he was branching out into different areas of the media, making movies and coaching his daughter's basketball teams and stuff. I mean, it's just, it's beyond tragic. I was, I was pretty broken up about this whole thing. I mean, it's just bad. And it, I mean, as bad as it is, too, to see all the outpouring of grief, right. too. Absolutely. A lot of people that, you know, it... I think like we we desperately look for heroes, and I think oh, it, it kind of like we we don't really admit it as a society, but like we look for people to kind of inspire us, and you know, until we suddenly realize we can do that by looking in the mirror and trying to be better ourselves. <clears throat> and he was kind of one of those examples for a lot of people, you know, like almost this era is Michael Jordan to a large degree. Like you have, you know, comparisons that can be made, but yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where even while I don't, I'm not as big of a sports fanatic as Ryan. This is something too that the second I saw it, the, the whole tragedy. Of it, at first, I, I read in the article that his wife wasn't on board. I'm like, oh, his daughters must be fine too. And then when it came out that his daughter was on board, and then when it came out that it was what seven other, yeah, pe- people from his the 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 little girls basketball team. I mean, it's 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 terrible. I mean, it's just such a sad situation. So yeah, I mean that. It's kind of been in my thoughts, and you, you, you'll open up and you'll, you'll see, you know, on, on different social media, different people do it. I, I literally just had looked at Instagram, and Justin Timberlake posted something. Yeah, you know, again. But, yeah, I uh, saw so, um, the um, the Pro Bowl was yesterday, and Drew Brees was on there talking about him. But um, you're right; he just some inspiration for so many people for so many for such a long time too. Because I mean, I know they were at the. Um, the Pelicans game talking to some of those players and they talked about how they grew up and yeah. you know they'd say Kobe whenever they threw a piece of paper in the in the basket so I mean it was, it's just a sad situation yeah today I worked there was a, a couple people that came in you know 
to work wearing Kobe jerseys or different kind of things. Just it was this it's interesting kind of silent. Yeah, just people just don't know what to do. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, he you know. And then I saw I think I saw on Twitter some Yahoo Sports writer was going out to the Staples Center and wanted to get some flowers. And when he stopped at the florist, I heard this. Yeah, he asked for um, some purple and and yellow flowers and she's like oh for kobe and he said yeah and then when he's like how much do i owe you and she said nothing it's we're, we're los angeles yeah. so it's just and so yeah his, his family's in our thoughts and yeah it's and yeah he'll, we'll we'll remember him and uh did anyone that see the the little documentary thing he won the oscar for <clears throat> no no i did not either yeah maybe i'll watch that and yeah, yeah. It'll be good. Well, <clears throat> there's a couple things that we need to talk about in television. Yeah, let's get on to uh, some, <clears throat> some fun stuff. One of them, the more fun of the two, um, is something I didn't actually get to watch, and I'm quite upset. I still haven't kind of logged in uh, to HBO since I canceled HBO and you know got things back on. But but Curb Your Enthusiasm is, uh, is back, and... I, I love this show, and I'm very upset that I have not uh, watched I, this I didn't watch episode. So you guys, take me through well, yeah, what we watched the up pr- to. I watched the premiere. I watched the premiere. The second episode I haven't gotten to yet, but uh, oh my god, it's it's Curb Enthusiasm at its best. Yeah, Larry David definitely takes the pulse of what's going on in the nation and uses that to make some hilarious commentary. It's, I mean, it's very Seinfeld-esque. Um, lots of different storylines going on involving talcum powder, MAGA hats... Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. Mocha Joe. Mocha Joe. <laughs> Seems to be the villain of the season. And it all just comes together. And Richard Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the fact that, like, one of my favorite moments in this, this episode was um, there's a situation where Larry has an opportunity to sleep with his ex-wife. And he was not with Ted Danson. He was with Ted Danson, and they've been together for a while. And spoiler, because, I mean, it's really not that big of a, of a thing with the story, but he ends up sleeping with her. But... He doesn't care. Right. Like, like after it's over, like she's like, "What do we do about this?" He's like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> it's, he, he doesn't care right. about anything or anyone, and it's so. I think the only person he cares about is Leon. Maybe uh, Leon. I mean, as you should. Leon's a phenomenal character. He is, so. and he's back to his usual self. Uh-huh. Slept with Elaine last night. I, <laughs> see, the the thing is with Leon, I remember the season that that he he like you know after the Blacks premiered and and it was the whole season with him with Loretta. At the end of the season, we're all like, oh, he's going to break up with Loretta. Oh, we're going to lose Leon. And then, no. no Leon, Leon stayed. Him. Everyone else left, but Leon stayed. Yeah, Leon's still holding <laughs> holding out in the um, the guest house. <laughs> he had, yeah, some, Leon had some pretty hilarious stuff with talcum powder. Yeah, and there's some, some moments where Larry gets falsely accused of uh, sexual harassment, mainly because there's a cocktail waitress at a party who has pigs in a blanket, and he keeps staring at her. Because he wants the pigs in a blanket, and she thinks that he is ogling at her in the party and is purposely avoiding him, and it's just making him stare more because he wants the pigs in a blanket so yeah. bad. It's a hilarious show on HBO. I, it's I treasure when that show comes around. Yeah, I really do. I, like I'm, I'm very glad. Isn't it one more season that they've definitely confirmed they have? I think so. I it was think like so. Two, there was two seasons. There. I know he I, said you'll, ne- you'll never know when he's not going to do it anymore. Right. Well, he'll kind of announce. Well, that was my last episode, kind of thing. Said he learned his lesson from from Seinfeld. Yeah, but Jack, yeah, I, I can't wait to pick this up and watch it. And another thing that we were kind of all excited for was uh, 
something in the Star Trek universe has premiered. That's right. CBS All Access gave me a reason to actually subscribe to it, which is Picard, Star Trek Picard. Star Trek Picard. <clears throat> now, just a little bit of housekeeping. Only the first episode is out, and it will be every Thursday that you'll get new episodes. And they do have some shorts, because I watched one of the shorts called Children of Mars as well. They kind of... Um, yeah. It kind of... It's a... They talk about the events of it on on the, the pilot. Some, an event happens on Mars. Yeah, and that's kind of uh, the the point at which the, the story sort of picks up. You kind of get things revealed over time that f- tie into the, the pilot episode. Yes. And uh, so here's the thing. Um, I've wanted some post-Nemesis Star Trek for a long time now. I mean, the, the most current show was Voyager. And that right. was pre-Nemesis. Right. So we haven't had something take place after that since 2002. I'm glad they actually kind of talked about the events in Nemesis, too. And I'm also glad, too, that they... See, okay, when you want to talk about... What I love about what Star Trek did is they basically were like, we don't want to shit on what people know previously, so what they did is they created an alternate reality for the movies they wanted to do for the J.J.verse, which I thought was inspired. It, It kept everything intact. The cool thing about it, too, is it gives them story opportunities, and in this case... There's the other side of the Romulan incident that we didn't know anything about. Right. <clears throat> and you find out that there's more to it. I know there was that Countdown comic, which this kind of negates a lot of what happened in that Countdown comic. A little. Some of it, it actually it actually kind of ties in some of it then. Yeah, I think they use elements that they want. Because Alex Kurtzman is the guy that runs the show, is the guy that right. you know created it. So, uh, But yeah, basically, uh, this picks up 20 years after that incident. Right, so this is twenty years after. It's if I'm not mistaken, it's twenty three ninety nine. Right, and so. basically Picard had gotten promoted to an admiral at one point, and admiral, <laughs> <laughs> and is now retired. And uh, Chateau with, Picard, he's he's on Chateau Picard with his adorable Rottweiler number one. Number one, yeah. <clears throat> which I thought was kind of cool. And basically, he's kind of living a quiet life. now. With one, two Romulans. With two Romulans, yes. And what you kind of find out, and this is the thing, this isn't a lot of the trailers, but he basically gave up command of the Enterprise to lead an, a, a rescue armada. Did they, But they never said who he gave up command to. That's pending, from my understanding. You will meet the, the current captain of the Enterprise. <laughs> it's Wesley Crusher. No. <laughs> no, I think they actually named him. Like they said that there, you know, there's an actor that they cast for it, and he's going to butt heads with him. Oh. But uh, basically, there's this 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 girl that uh, appears, and she she's kind of got activated, so to speak. It's a lot like Jason. Jason Bourne, Bourne. Mm-hmm. and uh, she shows up because or, she. Um, it actually kind of reminded me of um, Serenity. Remember when? Yeah. Oh yeah. Good, yeah. Good parallel. Yeah. When uh, which uh, Summer Glau character yeah. when she would. Go nut when she would start fighting, kind of. Yeah, and she shows up and, and through out Picard investigating, trying to find because she she can see Picard in in these little flashes that she has. She doesn't understand why. She assumes he knows her, but he doesn't. And through his investigating, you find out a connection to another character, and that's sort of where the story picks up, um, right? And, and sort of leaves us. It, it's a it's an interesting first episode that has a lot of promise. And I what I really love about it too is and the you, the clips have existed with you know. Da- the dream sequences with Data. With Data, right. Um, but Brent Spiner, one of his conditions for returning was that they don't reverse what happened to uh, Data. And I see a way of them having their cake and eating it too with just how this was set up. Yeah, I, and I can agree. 
And I, you know, I don't want to get spoiler, but you and I, Glenn, will talk about this after because yes. I have. You know. And um, and I can kind of see Sir, uh, Patrick Stewart mentioning that he didn't think that something like this was possible until he did Logan. And yeah, kind of, kind of, you can kind of see though. And I, you know, I got to say that one of the things too, they said that he, they pitched him a show initially, and he was like, "No, I don't want a part of that." Then they did this like thirty-five page, like heartfelt. This is what we want to do, right? Kind of, you know, like just the, the different commitments they had. And it really is sort of. It reminds me a lot of kind of what the the Star Wars trilogy sequel trilogy is trying. You know, it tries to accomplish, in the sense that Picard is is very much like disillusioned. Sure. And you get a lot of the 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 insights into why. Right. <clears throat> and you basically get to see him kind of trying to start redeeming himself, and it's all in that one hour episode. Yeah, it's a it's it's, it's an acting packed. it's an acting masterclass though. Yeah, I know. I agree. I mean. Patrick Stewart, he he came to play with us. He really did. And I mean, it's almost. I mean, there there are a lot of secondary characters, but this is. I mean, they named it Picard, and this is definitely this is his show. And I that's mean. that's the thing. I think we get like speeches and, and performances in this that kind of rival the line must be drawn here, yeah. <laughs> and also the the there are four lights uh, right. episode. You know that that those performances always stood out for me. With with Patrick Stewart and and this one was one to even rival that it, it just really like I I was engrossed. My favorite captain has been Cisco, but like this really was like oh my god they need to do a Cisco show and have this all <laughs> happen. And Ryan, we've been talking over you. But you do you tell us what you? No, think? I mean you guys are the Star Trek experts. I'm a Star Trek fan, but y'all, oh. I, I will say I did enjoy one of the things I didn't really like about Nemesis was they kind of had a little bit of a cheat when Data made a sacrifice. And it was like, oh, they can just transfer everything to... I mean, they kind of did the same thing with Spock back in 1980. Yeah, but it was... I don't know. It felt differently in this the way they did it. And I'm glad they sort of addressed that in Picard, saying, right. yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's a piece of crap. He can't he can't hold Data's memories and everything. So, I mean, I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like to know what happened to Jordy. I'm worried he was on Mars during That's that whole... a lot whole, of people are wondering. During that whole fiasco. Yeah. Well, but yeah, because he was included in that Countdown comic. Yeah. He was the one who built the jellyfish. The belt, like yeah, the, is that the <coughs> Spock ship? Spock from, ship. That's what I had heard. Yeah, yeah. From Jordy uh, designed that. From the the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm, I'm scared for Jordy. <laughs> I'm scared for Jordy too. And I, but I know well, that just like Aquail. <laughs> I know that at a certain point, uh, Michael Dorn was on on set. So I don't know if it was in an acting capacity or not. Well, uh, we definitely get Deanna and right. Will. Well, Patrick Stewart said in season one that Jordy and Worf do not appear. Okay. And we know from a viral clip that in season two, Guinan's definitely showing I was, up. I'm glad you brought that well, up. Well, yeah, he asked. That was that adorable. Was, I, I, was, I got in my feelings for that. Yeah. <laughs> because you can tell, like, one of the things, and Whoopi Goldberg has always maintained how, how much she respects and appreciates Star Wars, Star Trek, and her time on She probably likes Star Wars, too. Um <clears throat> but her time on that show, and to see him kind of just give that heartfelt, we want to invite you All right. to come well, back. Well, I, I remember seeing something once that the Guinan character was the last character that Gene Roddenberry kind of came up with before wow. he passed away. But, <clears throat> so yeah, show me on, on season two, but so far season one, that's one episode, but it was it was really good. There's only one. And, 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 I, got a, and I got a big thumbs up from our friend Bruce. I was oh, about so far, to yeah. ask you, yes. I mean, I, I'll tell you, uh, the only character I want to see back more than anybody is Q. Oh, that would be cool. That would be cool. But, uh, you know, i got to tell you, 
one of the things, and we're about to kind of get into this. Glenn kind of compiled a list of that's right. If, if of things you should watch now, one character that's referenced in this that I'm very excited to see if he appears is Bruce Maddox. That's my first episode. That all I right, see. take us through, Glenn. All right, so I, I just I messaged Greg after I saw this, and I'm like, okay, um, you know, this is getting a lot of press. You know, Patrick Stewart's a big star. What if you've never watched The Next Generation or any of these movies, and you're interested in this? Which ones do you absolutely need to watch? Now, full disclosure, we've only seen the first episode, so this list may grow. But I compiled a number, um, uh, just a small, it's a pretty small list, actually, of um, Next Generation episodes and movies that I think you should see to kind of get, not the Easter eggs, because this list would have been a lot longer if I would have mentioned his little vault and all the little nods in there. Oh, yeah. But, like, the... um, just kind of the basic plot line, and the number one episode that I wrote is a season two, season two, episode nine, an episode called "Measure of a Man," and that episode um, featured a character, a Starfleet engineer by the name of Maddox, Commander Bruce Maddox. Yep, he wanted to disassemble Data to study him and see if he could uh, figure out a way to replicate him, and there was an ensuing kind of court case on whether Starfleet owned Data or whether he was a, a volunteer like any other... Yeah, like if he was a, a, a be ascension being or not. Exactly. And in that episode, what was kind of cool was that Will Riker had to, against his... Uh, his, his it, He basically had to do the, the role of John Adams in the... the he had, he had, had to, to defend, prosecute. Right, he had to prosecute his friend. Right. But he had to do a good job because that's his duty, but at the same time, you can tell he, he didn't want to say certain right. things. And Picard, of course, defends him. Of course. And uh, what I loved about this episode, though, too, is that Data becomes friends with Maddox. He does. And, and that's and how they, it is. the only time yeah. he appears, but like he re- they reference him in many episodes with him communicating with him. Exactly. Um, but I mean that, and I mean that was just a cool episode, the way it kind of dealt with slavery in, in yeah. a certain measure, but... Um, Great episode. I said Bruce Maddox had a lot to do with data, and a seat. The next episode I will mention is a season three episode. Uh, season three episode sixteen. It was called The Offspring, which I think featured a mention of Bruce Maddox, where yeah. Data decides he wants to procreate, and he builds Lol, which is a uh, another android, and they kind of go through. You know whether he should have done that without, you know, asking for permission, and I mean that that was another one kind of about synthetic beings and their their rights, which I thought this um, premiere kind of tapped into. It kind of it, it deals with it and kind of what you just said is, is the concept of what life is, right? What is what is sentience, and they do that a lot. They do it with the holographic doctor. They do it with a lot of different characters. Vic Fontaine. That's correct, but um. Even to the fact, like, some of the, the Borg episodes. Yeah. Which I didn't put any Borg episodes on here just because they weren't really featured all he- heavily. Heavily, yeah. I have a feeling they will just from the the, the Well, I mean, the fact that we know that Hugh is appearing in And Seven of Nine. Yeah. But, all right, the next episode that I listed was a Season 4 episode. Season 4 episode, it was Episode 2, it was called Family. And uh. that explores kind of post-traumatic stress and Jean-Luc going back to the vineyard that now is his home in this episode um it's kind of good good choice yeah it's um kind of the epilogue to the best of both worlds which is arguably the 
most popular two-parter of all time. Yeah, I, think. I agree. But um, this episode, it, it deals a lot with his feelings about going home and, you know, returning to France and, you know, why he would go back to the to the vineyard, even in this premiere, why he would go back there after what happened to him. So that's why I put that next. And the last episode that I put was a season six episode. It was episode 16, and it was called Birthright. And it was an episode where Data is, um, they're actually at Deep Space Nine, and Data's painting, and he uncovers this dream program. And I have a feeling this dream program's going to kind of tie into what happens. And there's a lot in here with Data painting. So I was trying to think of a good Data painting episode, and I think this one's going to tie into It's events. really good. It talks, too, about the evolution of... of this artificial life form. Right. I think that, you're right, it probably is going to come up this season in some right. way. Right, and, um, I mean, it's just sort of, there's a scene with Dr. Soon, like, in Data's mind, kind of just talking about his potential. Those are the, the episodes, I think, in my opinion, help out. And then for the movies, the first movie, I just, I put Star Trek Nemesis. Because I think all the other movies, there are things referenced, but they're kind of explained. But there are things in Star Trek Nemesis that are heavily featured. I mean, the opening scene is Blue Skies. Yeah. And that's what Data sings at the wedding. And, and it's what before is Exactly. Right so, I mean, it almost like the, the, the show picks up with that song. So, it picks up right where the movie ends. And there's, you know... This is probably the most maligned of the next-gen movies. And I think... I think it's a bit unfair. I think Insurrection's worse than I would Nemesis. agree with you. I don't know if I would agree. I, I think Insurrection's the mo- most like an episode of the show. Yeah, it's not like a movie. Nemesis, I thought, was a very... Like, in- I loved Nemesis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say I loved Nemesis. It was... I don't know. It just... I appreciated it, Nemesis. I, yeah, I appreciated it. It was fine. It's just... I don't know. You could tell that they were all getting kind of tired. But... um. There, there, there's some really good things in it, though, and like I said, it just it t- completely ties into this 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 episode. And the last thing I put a little asterisk next to this: if you could just see the scene of the mind meld from Star Trek 09. yeah, that kind of helps know exactly what happened to Romulus. That's a good point. You know, and I'll honestly, I'll say the same thing: if you can pick certain scenes. There's scenes in Generations with Data and the emotion chip. Sure. That I think are going to become relevant and important to Data's evolution. And I'd say in First Contact, it's... Uh, Some of the scenes of the board clean. Well, n- not, mm-hmm. not even that. I think the end with what Data goes through for Picard, what Picard goes through for Data, they yeah. really solidified that relationship in that sure. movie because Picard basically like, I have to save my friend, and he stays right. behind. Um, and I think that kind of comes up in, in, in... Yeah, the only reason I didn't put that is I thought they were... They kind of made their point in Nemesis with some yeah. of that. No, they really did, and, and he references that here when he when he uh, he talks about this man who sacrificed himself. Right, and like I said, I just put you know Star Trek 09. If you could just YouTube and watch, just look for the mind meld because there's a scene where um, <clears throat> Spock Prime Leonard Nimoy meets the young Kirk and kind of lets him know what what's been going on. But I mean, there's a couple of scenes with Nero where he kind of talks about what happens too. Um, but um, I think if you just see the mind meld, that might help you know. What I'm kind of curious too to see if any characters in the Romulan section are going to be connected to Nero in some way. That, yeah, well, because if you remember in that comic book, Nero got his ship all retrofitted in a like converted Borg cube, yeah, which is where like the government of um, 
that guy is at. The, yeah, the uh, well, I mean, in in the comic book, that's sort of where the fallback position for the Romulan government was a, was a Borg cube that they had converted into this like research facility. So, one thing I did like, um, I felt kind of throughout the entire Next Gen series, and I only watched it all once as a binge thing. Picard was always very reserved with his emotions, and I felt like when Data sacrificed himself in Nemesis. There wasn't that... Picard's always keeps everything in. So I like the fact that, like, Data's sacrifice is still haunting him. Right. And the 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 tragedy of what happened on Mars, it finally is just... Because he, he just keeps everything in because that's the kind of man he is. It's like it's broken him. Like, he's his emotions have well, crippled him. And, I mean, he even mentioned, I think it was in First Contact, that a captain is supposed to be the stoic person in that. Which is, I think, what's going to be the driving force in this series for him to... to you know, save this this Which, girl. Yeah, because I mean, in, in in the show, there's just a handful of times where you're right, where he let his emotions crack, and I mean, that's why I put that episode family on there because there's this one scene where he breaks down after he fights with his brother. And that's another reason why that speech in First Contact was so powerful because you've never seen him act like that. He was mad. He was pissed. I've had enough. The language right. is starting here. Right. And he piled into the whales. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we can go on and on listing great Jean Luc Picard scenes and speeches but like i said i tried to keep it as minimal as possible because i don't want to overwhelm people like i don't want to watch picard because there's seven years of yeah. star trek i need to catch and I up think, on. I, and honestly if you can only watch one thing watch nemesis in before you watch right. this and that might prepare you um or you in, well i mean that, if you get cbs all access to watch this all the star treks are on there yeah so these are the few episodes i would suggest just watching and then you may have you, you might not be as as it might, it's not as daunting a task. The Trek series aren't on there, are they? Like I think they are. Next Gen? I thought Next Gen was on Netflix. I think it's on both. Oh, it could be. It may very well be. I know it. It is on Netflix. The, the rights are a little bit weird for Star Trek. Right. So it, it'll kind of between Paramount and CBS. And the gist of it is, though, you can find it easily. Oh yeah, it's yeah, and or I, or I can let you borrow my box sets. There you go. Physical media. Yeah. Um. So. Glenjamin, you got to watch <clears throat> Knives Out. Yeah, me, yeah, me and Sandra got. We went on a date night, and we went and saw Knives Out, and then we went and ate <clears throat> at the Swamp Room. Oh, oh nice! nice. It's, it's, it just reopened. It's back, baby. Yeah, it's back. It's a lot bigger too. Really? Yeah, but um, Knives Out was it was wonderful. Like we had such a fun time watching that movie. Um, I mean, it's been out for quite a while. Didn't it come out around Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's uh, so we yeah, the Elmwood Theater was still showing it. So we and it, it, the screening we saw it was it was pretty full still. But talk about a fun just movie that I mean, it's so much. It's so different than everything you go see at the theater now. It's just this this well written whodunit with all these like different characters and flashbacks into this thing, and it was so much. And for some reason. I could not stop laughing. If you've seen the trailers, you probably know Chris Evans' famous little eat shit, eat mm-hmm. shit thing where he tells all the members of his family to eat shit. Well, after that scene, it cuts to another character, and you just hear Ryan's friend, Michael Shannon, oh, screaming at the top of his lungs, I will not eat one iota of shit! <laughs> <laughs> and for some reason, I just could not stop laughing. I wouldn't be surprised if that was unscripted. <laughs> that so motherfucker's crazy. Give it a rating. I'd probably give it a nine. Wow. I really liked it. Um, 
And talk about, like, Don Johnson's having, like, a career resurgence. Definitely. I would completely agree with you. And it's funny, like, his character in this kind of reminded me a little bit of the character he played in Watchmen, but he was... It, it, almost like the antithesis of it. Yeah. But it, it was so much fun. And I, I saw that Ryan Johnson's writing a, um, another movie with about... The character with, of, with uh, Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig's, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm pumped, like, talking like the... American Southern Perot. <laughs> I mean. Hercule Craig. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, Ryan, I'm going to do this this way because this will amuse me more. Talk about The Turning first. So, yeah, I once saw The Turning with uh, Mackenzie Davis. Um, in relation in, to Glenn. No. I was intrigued <laughs> by it because um, I think she's adorable. I love her. She's a great actress. She yeah. really is. And, uh, I don't know, I mean, Finn Wolfhard, which is... He needs a haircut. needs a haircut, but <laughs> the, the greatest name of all time. Um, so this movie's basically, she plays a college student um, in the late 90s, because in the, and I don't know why they placed it in that time period, because it really is no relevance to the film. The only reason you know that is because they talk about Kurt Cobain's suicide at oh. one point in the film, so it's kind of weird. Well, anyway, the lights out, it's less dangerous. She, well, because in Finn Wolfhard, I don't think it's possible for him to play something in the present day. I guess. So um, she takes on this job, to which had recently became available, to be a caretaker for these children at this, I don't know, this estate. Um, she takes on the position with the understanding that she's going to be looking after one of the this young daughter, the young girl. Um, and there's a, uh, like a, I guess a housekeeper who works there. So there should only be three people there. And as she gets there and, you know, she starts sort of experiencing some odd things, but not really anything over the top. But then the character played by Finn, Wolf, Finn Wolfhard, um, he gets expelled from his boarding school. So now he's back at the house. So now it's these two kids. So once he shows up... Um, she starts seeing different images and things that are kind of creeping her out, and she learns that the the, the caretaker of the house before her, um, like left unexpectedly, basically because there was another like a like a, a stable guy who took care of the horses and everything on the grounds. Who was, he was an unstable stable guy? Yeah, yeah, he was unstable, and he was basically stalking the girl and she found this girl's diary and was reading all the things this guy was doing to her and so the whole time this movie's going on i'm sitting there thinking this movie's boring it's there's a couple scenes that make you jump so then as the movie's progressing and she starts seeing more and more weird shit it's like these like these ghosts of these two characters seem to be all over the house now and Finn Wolfhard is a creepy fucking kid and it's just it's disturbing all I can tell you that by the end of this film in full confession I did doze off a couple times but I was with a date now when I awoke and I don't think I slept very long <laughs> but when I woke up and I was watching the very end of the film and it ended I literally sat up. I, I sat up and I looked at her and I said, what the fuck just happened? And she just busted out laughing. And I was like, all right, I know I dozed off for a minute, 
but did this movie just end the way I think it just ended? And she's like, I don't, I don't know what happened. It is the weird, like literally, the movie ends like it's, it's almost like the movie's still going on. It just stops. I've never seen a movie to do do this. Were they trying to do like a No Country for Old Men? Or? No, because like the storylines were at least resolved. But like, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna spoil it. I'm gonna give you a teaser. She's trying to. She basically comes to the conclusion where she thinks these ghosts might be like dangerous and possessing the children. So she goes to grab the children to leave. And the movie opens with the the caretaker trying to leave and she can't get out and the guy catches her. So when this climactic scene occurs, she gets to the gate, will the gate open? The kids are screaming and everything. The gate's open, she drives through. The next scene, they're back in the house. <laughs> and like it, it and then from there, like it flashes because her, it, it it flashes to have something to do with her mother, because her mother was not really a major character, but basically before she goes to take this job as this living caretaker, she goes to see her mother, who's basically in an insane asylum, and that's the only time you see the mother. So I guess if I could guesstimate what this movie's trying to do, it's trying to make you think: Was this house really possessed, or did this is this woman just fucking batshit crazy like her mother? Spoke by the time the movie ends, like it just stops, and I, I was just—I've never seen a movie do this. Like I know the technology's changed since we worked all at the theater, but it sounds like someone put this print together wrong. Yeah, <laughs> well, like I'll, I'll just tell you exactly how it ends, where it's—it's it's just amb- ambiguous. Where I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Like her mother's in an insane asylum, and she sent her these pictures that are all black, and there's a series of them, but she never looks at them. Okay, so she just like the little drawings that a kid from the ring would do. A little, yeah, kind of like that. But they're not even. They're like almost the entire picture is black, and there's just little bits of shapes in them. You can kind of make anyway. There's like a bunch of them. She never looks at them. So, like I told you, the scene, the end of the movie, she's trying to escape. They escape. The next scene, they're back in the house, and they're having a discussion about one of the kids' dolls getting broken. Then, like the next scene, you know, she's walking into an empty swimming pool, and the mother is there laying out all the pictures that she supposedly sent her and I'm all excited I'm finally going to see what these pictures look like and as the as Mackenzie Davis like leans over and sees what's there she screams and the movie ends <laughs> so you don't see what the pictures were you don't know if they ever got out of the house it, it seems like they upset poor Mackenzie Davis I, I don't know it, it was a nightmare I would give this movie a 2 a 2 because like it was boring to begin with but I was like well maybe it's going somewhere and it did make me fall asleep for a minute or two. But, I mean, it was terrible. Do not go see it. On to... So if you want to see Mackenzie Davis, go watch Terminator, which comes out on video. I would actually yeah. recommend you go see The Martian. She was better in that. She was very good in Martian. She was really good in Blade Runner 2040. Yeah, she was. From... I don't want to talk about this. From number two... I, I can't believe we forgot to mention this. This is just the podcast of Putty's Pain. Ryan, <laughs> well, all right. The turning. Tell us about the cats. <laughs> the turning was just a bad movie, but yeah, during our hiatus during the holidays, I was coerced into going see Cats. <laughs> I don't really know if I can adequately express the experience of seeing this movie. It is a disaster of epic proportions. It's a milk chocolatey clusterfuck. Full of peanuts and fuck. The, the first thing I to, like when I first watched it, I told my sister, I'm like, why didn't they just make it like the 
the Lion King and just make it real cats. Because making them into humans that look like human-cat hybrids made it creepy to begin with. The music, I just, I didn't quite, I don't know. It, it was a disturbing experience. I don't even call it a movie. It's an experience. I've heard songs from the original musical. I've never seen the original musical. Sandra saw it. She, she loved it. I, 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 I hear mixtures of things about the musical, so yeah. this is something that I'm not really like. I, I didn't really have much interest in seeing. So tell us about the story. Well, uh, story. <laughs> it's really hard to follow. I mean, because the whole movie is a goddamn musical, and it seems no, no, no story, <laughs> no story. It seems like it's about like you know some fucking chosen cat that's special that's going to get to go live in the fucking heavens of cats but has to be chosen by this disturbing looking cat that looks that's Judy Dench and uh, and it's it's just it's fucking weird and now I mean I'll say this I never saw the play the girl I was with saw the play loved the play and she loved the movie interestingly enough my sister she went took her kids my sister didn't really like it one of her daughters loved it and the other daughter I wanted to do with it. So I mean, like it, it's a, it's a polarizing film, but much like real cats, I <laughs> I guess, um, like I, I I couldn't find one redeeming thing about it. I would I will never the credits weren't redeeming. No, I will never watch Did this it look again. Nice? No, no, there there wasn't nothing. The, the, you know, was it you who said it, Glenn, or was it John? That was like it looks like they've just basically round of money and just superimposed faces on top of well i saw something where james corden was talking about the way they filmed it where they were all just like wearing their street clothes and they went in with cgi and turned them all into cats after yeah they they looked disturbing the music just uh, I, I i i just what was scarier that or the turn the turn the turning the turning oh uh Cats will go get inside your head. <laughs> You'll fucking see uh, what's her face. Taylor Swift. N- no, not her. Um, there's a scene. Who's the? Um, Idris Elba. No, the girl who's really funny, but she's a big girl. Oh, Rebel Wilson. Rebel, Rebel, yeah, Rebel. there's a scene where she's singing some song, eating cockroaches, <laughs> as she does in real life. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So I mean, yeah, full of protein. Her rolling around <laughs> as this human cat it, it, it's like they're human cat hybrids and it looks just so disturbing i want the dr moreau <laughs> and marlon brando coming from that it was very much in that kind of category as island of dr moreau where it's a complete catastrophe and you're like why did they make this movie <laughs> Why didn't someone stop and say, "All right, we fucked up. Let's just stop doing <laughs> turn this." It off, turn at, least it you, off. at least you can make fun of white chicks. That's true. Yeah, they knew it was bad. They look like the Sona. <laughs> they did. <laughs> <laughs> the villains from Star Trek. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Wh- which, what's your rating, buddy? Bomb zero. <laughs> Stay the hell away. Negative twelve. I can't. I would never give cats a positive rating. You, you, you've kind of got me to this curious thing where I kind of want to watch it just out of curiosity to see how. Uh, I, I, if you want to see it, please tell me I'm wrong because I couldn't get through it. Like everything about it, like I mean, the girl I was with thought I was just being stupid, but I was like, I was uncomfortable. <laughs> like I was in the auditorium, I couldn't get. I was, I was shifting, and she's like, "What's wrong with you?" I'm like, "This fucking movie is like really fucking me up. I don't want to. I don't want to watch it." I was like hot. 
and sweaty, and I was just like, I don't want to sit here anymore. No, we were describing what Glenn described when he ate the enormous omelet sandwich. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, seriously, like, sweaty apartment with no air conditioning. I'm not lying. Like, my back was kind of bothering me in the auditorium. I was like, I'm not comfortable. This is just, it, this doesn't feel right. I need to get out of here. It's, it was terrible. I was so glad when it was over. How was oh, the popcorn? <laughs> you know what? We didn't get popcorn. Well, that's the problem. There you go. You know what I did get? I got alcohol to try and prepare me for it, and that did not help. Gotta get your popcorn. I went to the ball. Actually, you know what it was? <laughs> I did not. Get a- I needed a Warner Brothers ball cap. That might have been the problem. Necktie. You know what? I remember this. This was what the hell was out? Was it Star Wars? I was out around cats. Yeah, they opened the same day. Well, I think when I went, to- we went to go see it. Like the the theater was freaking packed. Like not the theater, but the, the actual. I was about to say of cats. Not 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 cats, but like the the lobby was full, and like the concession stand was like insane. And the only thing that didn't have a line was the bar, <laughs> so that's why I went got a drink. Long have I waited <laughs> for popcorn. <laughs> yeah, it, it, there is a reason why that movie's gone so fast. <laughs> it was withdrawn from consideration. Yeah, that's right. Oscars. Yeah. Um. Well, it's been a, a fun conversation, but now it is time to nominate this week's Awesome Villager. Gentlemen, who are your nominees? All right, so I'm going to nominate somebody you guys aren't going to even know anything about. But, um, well, tell us, Is right? it The Miz? You're in the right ballpark. Okay. So uh, Sunday night, you know, I was feeling crappy. The whole Kobe Bryant thing had just broke. And um, I had a, uh, a – there are a few WWE pay-per-views where, like, it's kind of a big event. So my, my son had his friends over and – we had a big viewing party, watched the Royal Rumble, and um, one superstar came back who nine years ago suffered a career-ending neck injury. So nowadays with science and technology and stem cell procedures, apparently he's been able to become clear to wrestle again, and he had a really emotional return, came back to the ring. So because he's always been a childhood favorite of mine, I'm going to nominate Edge, Adam Copeland. for uh, for a, he, he brought a smile to my face on a really bad day. For no other reason than that. Well, talk about bringing smiles to faces. I'm going to nominate J.B. Smoove, who's oh. gentleman that plays Leon on Kirby Enthusiasm, because he steals, no matter what it is, whether it's Kirby Enthusiasm or Spider-Man or whatever, he steals whatever scene he's in, even like these commercials that he's on now. But... Um, I don't know. I just think that he's just a hilarious comedian. He was really funny in Spider-Man Far From Home. And he just... I love him so much on Kirby Enthusiasm. If they would decide, if they ever decide to end the show and HBO were to spin off and make the Leon Chronicles or whatever, I would watch that too. So I'm going to nominate J.B. Smoove. And plus, he's got that awesome name. Uh, and equally, to uh, continue our trend of people making us happy... I can't let this week pass without nominating Sir Patrick Stewart for his performance in Picard and his general awesomeness. Even though, Captain, that you, you did not make it to that Comic-Con we were promised, we, we still love you, dude. I hear the people that got the VIP. Yeah. Like, they got to Skype with him and he was, like, in a trailer with a bathrobe on or something. <laughs> That's kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, Picturing he was on that Rice planet. <laughs> So, if you had to nominate someone other than your own, who would it be, gentlemen? I mean, isn't it obvious? It's got to be Patrick Stewart. The line must be drawn here. And I would, I would say J.B. Smoove. So, I'm just checking to make sure. I can't believe he's never been an awesome villager before. I think we've nominated him a couple of times. But yes, Patrick Stewart, you definitely need to come hang out with us. 
I mean, yeah. I, I yeah. yeah. Bring in McKellen. We'll have the ball. There are four mics. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That is a great uh, line from this next gen. That might be the title of the podcast. I will write that down here. There are four mics. <laughs> so, interesting little tidbit before we go. Oh, yes. Um, my sister lives in an, in, in, in a, under a rock. Under a rock that consists of saints stuff and that's pretty much it um, a little bit of mickey mouse mickey mouse and saints pretty much it um so she somehow managed to avoid all marvel films i know we, we talked to, to about that i i got off the phone with her before we recorded tonight where is she where is she that's why i want to bring this up because next episode i'm going to give you a, a, a synopsis of what's going to happen because she's watching captain marvel tonight so tomorrow night she's coming to my house to do endgame Oh, Ooh, so and you watch Infinity War? Let me just tell you why I am so... I almost want to record I, I, it on I my phone. Co- I almost want to come over. Yeah, it'll be around 7.30. <laughs> okay. Because I got my son's basketball game, so if y'all want to come over and do an in-game viewing with someone who's never seen it. Ooh. And someone who, when she told me, when she watched Infinity War, she said, I almost had a heart attack when Iron Man got stabbed, because you know he's my favorite. So oh. uh, Well, let me tell you. Oh, well, she's, is she going to listen to this before? No, wait, they don't... She's gonna see it tomorrow. She's yeah. gonna see it tomorrow. Episode comes out on Wednesday. Okay. Um, oh. I, I think she suspects. Lou, Lou, I love you in spite of in spite of Iron Man being your favorite. That's, she loves Iron Team Man. Cap. And I, I just got a message from her that she just finished Captain Marvel and she loved it, which I knew she would because it takes place in the nineties. Yeah. But um, I don't know if she's gonna be emotionally ready for it. I told her I was I like, you know, know, I'm emotionally ready for it. it. <laughs> I told her, you know, it's interesting because, like, you know, this is ten years of movies that we just went through, but you went through it in like a month. Yeah. It's like you binge. I'm curious to see how much it's going to affect her. We should have her on the show and talk to her about that. I'll see if she wants to yeah, stop by. What was her, what, what, what's her least favorite one? Um, She did mention she wasn't the biggest fan of Iron Man 2. Um, she really, really liked Ant-Man. Well, it's Paul Rudd. I think, yeah. she, she thought, and I told her she would like it because it was such a, a change of tone. Yeah. Um, some kind of way she had seen Black Panther and the Guardians of the Galaxy Well, she movies. probably saw Black Panther at the Oscar showcase. Maybe so. And she loved that one. Um, she, uh... Get this man a shield. <laughs> yeah, I, she hasn't really said that she disliked any of them. Huh? Um, she wasn't the biggest fan of the first few Thor movies. I think she liked Ragnarok, though. Well, how can you not? Ragnarok was great. Uh, well, I mean, did she talk about the dusting? Was did spider-man get to her yeah um she was like <laughs> she's like so wait a minute so those people are dead <laughs> she's like seriously and i was like well i mean they're gone they're gone and she's like don't freaking tell me that so uh yeah um uh, it's gonna be an interesting viewing oh so hopefully i'll see if she can stop by next week yeah you know it, it we, yeah because i won't discuss we week. discussed we might need to reschedule the day anyway so we might be able to do that yeah, well, yeah, I, I definitely, if we record on Monday, I definitely won't be here. My Felicity's getting her adenoids out, and she's getting tubes. Poor little girl. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see you guys same bat time, same bat channel next week. But uh, in the interim, please remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, subscribe to the show. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. Um, it's been another fun week. This has been Greg. Glenn. Ryan. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>